All right, good morning, everyone. That was such a beautiful time of worship, and Amber, your wrap-up just completely transitions into what I'm talking about this morning, which is perfect, so God is good. All right, I just want to pray really quick. Lord, I just want to thank you for this morning, and Lord, I just pray that as we listen to this word that it may not be my words, but your words, God, and that you would just touch people's hearts and minds this morning. May we be ready to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. All right, do we have any December babies in the house? See you, Alicia. Yep, yep. Oh, we've got hands going up. I feel for you. I am one of you. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Um, If you're on the front end of December, you might be safe, but my condolences to Alicia Ham being born (laughs) on Christmas Day. That, man... Um, I myself am a New Year's Eve baby, and so I like to joke that every year people count down until it's over and then set off fireworks to celebrate that my birthday is finished. Um, Now, I can't complain too much because my parents and my siblings and now my husband have done a wonderful job of making me feel extra special on my birthday, although a year ago, or maybe two years ago now, we had a family gathering for my birthday on New Year's Eve, and we all sat down, and I was like, this is it. This is my moment. It's about me. And then an extended relative raised a glass and said, Happy New Year, everyone. (laughs) And I was like, great. My birthday lasted two seconds. (laughs) But um, I don't have any grief or trauma, I promise. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I remember very vividly on my 10th birthday, I had some friends around for my birthday party. Christmas had come and gone. Um, Back then, I was a bit of a horse girl, so I and a bookworm. I loved books. I still love books, but my husband will tell you I have a bad habit of buying them and never reading them. Um, (laughs) But back then, I read them all the time, and I'd been given this book that I'd really been wanting. Um, My nan gave it to me for Christmas. And on my birthday, I received not one, but two identical copies of the same book. And I just remember feeling like, on the outside, I was like, thank you so much. This is what I've always wanted. And on the inside, I was like, oh, I just want something new. I was disappointed. Um, And then (laughs) Sam reminded me last night. (laughs) um, Oh, I'm going all over the place. But before I get there. Have you ever had that experience when you've seen a present under the Christmas tree or you've seen a present on your birthday and it's the exact same size and shape of something that you've been asking for and praying for for a long time and then you rip it open and it's nothing like what you wanted. <laughs> and you like, have to be like, thank you, yay. And on the inside you're like, great, I'm going to sell this on Facebook Marketplace. Um, <laughs> well... <laughs> Um, when Sam and I had just gotten married, we bought a house, and we had a little housewarming party, and had some friends over, and one of our, some of our friends brought some presents, which was very nice, and one of them brought this big box, and I was like, oh, that's got to be like a kitchen aid or like something awesome <laughs> for the kitchen. I was like so excited. I had high hopes, um, and so Sam and I were sitting down, and we're like, like, open the gift, so we opened the gift in front of everyone, and inside the box was another box. And it was a cookie time box, like a big cookie time box. And we were like, oh, I was like, this is better than a KitchenAid. This is cookie time biscuits. And so we opened that box and inside was my worst nightmare. It was like, was it a kg? One kg of baked beans. Like, come on. I was like, oh, Sam was like, yeah. And I was like, no, not for me. Thank you. 
that ba- <laughs> the cage of baked beans still sitting in our cupboard. Don't know what to do with it. Might need to bring it to a one service. <laughs> oh, youth. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, and then the, the friend was like, no, no, it's okay, it's okay. Here's the actual gift. And we were like, oh, great. And it was a smaller box. And we were like, oh, so nice. Open it up. It's another box again. And I'm like, oh, what is it this time? And we open it up. And it is the tiniest can of baked beans. <laughs> Like this big, and I was like, "Come on!" And Sam was like, "Yeah." <laughs> Excuse me. So Sam did eat that tiny can of baked beans, but I don't know if he could get through a whole kg by himself. Anyway, so I've had that experience too, where you see the present under the tree, or you get given the gift, and you're like, "This is what I've always wanted," and you open it up, and you're like, "Ugh, this is not what I wanted at all." When I found out that I was preaching the week before Christmas, I was like, oh, I better come up with something Christmassy, you know. I thought about the joy and the hope that the Christmas account brings. You know, Jesus, God became man, inevitably making the ultimate sacrifice so that we can be in fellowship with God here on earth. I mean, how could you not preach about that? How could you not spend like hours preaching about that? I mean, it's pretty easy. And I was so excited to bring a message of hope to those who were struggling and going through difficult times and be like, it's going to be okay. God is good all the time, you know? And then my life fell apart. (laughs) And hope and joy weren't things that I wanted to talk about anymore. Through my life falling apart, which we'll get into a bit later, (laughs) God began to unravel the Christmas story to me in a different way. So today I feel that God wants us to chat about dealing with disappointment. (laughs) Everyone was coming here expecting like, yay, Christmas, and I'm like, no. (laughs) The Christmas story is full of people who had to deal with disappointment, who had to grieve unmet expectations and circumstances and move forward in faith, even though everything inside of them might have wanted to have given up. The first of these people is Mary. Mary was betrothed to a man named Jesus. She was likely Joseph. Whoa. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. I did write Joseph in my notes, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, (laughs) Mary was betrothed to a man named Joseph. She was most likely about 14 to 16 years old. That's a bit terrifying to think about in today's context. But back in the day, it was very normal. (laughs) Um, Amber, you might have two kids already come and gone. (laughs) Anyway, I feel like, oh, three, wow. I feel like Mary and Joseph were that couple in your church that you've been like silently rooting for for a very long time. And they've gone through that phase of like, oh, we're just friends. And then they're like, oh, we're we're just talking. And then suddenly... They're dating, and you're like, yes, 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 yes. But you're not pressuring them, right? Yeah, okay. Um, and then they get engaged, and you're like, yes, this is it. This is what God wanted. God has a great plan for them. We can see it from a mile away. I feel like that was Mary and Joseph to their friends and family. So Mary and Joseph are engaged. There's probably wedding planning going on, which in Jewish culture was like days of celebration, which is pretty cool. Um, they are dreaming of what their special day is going to look like. Mary's like, yes. This is my moment, you know, I'm going to be, look amazing, celebrate with all my friends. And then Mary's life does a full 180. In Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 28, we read, And he, he, the angel, Gabriel, came to her and said, Greetings, favoured one, the Lord is with you. 
But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. Now, I want to pause there and be like, totally understand, Mary. I did this to Amber just last week. I was in Amber's office and I was like, Amber, I love you. (laughs) And Amber was like, what do you want? (laughs) So Mary was probably feeling a bit like, oh my gosh, like what what does he want? While also being slightly terrified at the same time. The angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God and now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you will name him Jesus. And then jumping on to verse 34, Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I'm a virgin? The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. (laughs) I can't even begin to imagine the thoughts that were going on in Mary's head at that moment. Like, oh my gosh, what is everyone going to think? What is Joseph going to think? What's going to happen to my wedding day? What's going to happen to the rest of my life? Like, I didn't want to have a kid yet. I wanted to wait a couple years, you know, like get to know Joseph a bit better. And then we can have a kid. You know, like there was probably all these things going through her head. There would have been flashes of grief at the potential loss of the life that she had been imagining with Joseph. Maybe questions like, why me? Why do I have to go through this? Not an easy situation to be in. And now we jump over to Joseph. Joseph had probably been having similar dreams to Mary, dreams of a wedding, dreams of marrying her, of doing life with her, raising a family together. And when Mary broke the news to him, I'm sure he was flooded with grief, with disappointment at unmet expectations, probably lots of confusion. And he probably doubted Mary's character, thinking she's just gone off. She's making up the story. You know, but she, she doesn't want to, like, she still wants to get married to me, but she's made mistakes. And so in Matthew 1, verse 19 to 25, the verses just before this have um, explained that they were engaged but not living together. Her, it says, Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and unwilling to expose her to public disgrace, planned to dismiss her quietly. Very nice of him. <laughs> but just when he had resolved to do this, which would have been such a difficult decision to make, An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. What a promise for Mary and Joseph as they journeyed through this change of life together. Lastly, we come to the wise men and the shepherds. After Jesus was born, a host of angels appeared to the shepherds and told them that Jesus was born. The wise men at a separate time had been following a star in the east. Two very different groups of people with one thing in common. They knew the prophecies. They had read the prophets like Isaiah that had talked about a saviour. They, someone who would deliver them, a prince of peace, like Amber was talking about before. So when these guys all arrived at varying times, the wise men probably like a couple of years later, you can imagine their potential confusion at finding Jesus to be born in a very standard home. In fact, the wise men knew the prophecy, prophecy so well that they probably would have been expecting a significant royal birth at this time. And it says in scripture that they show up in Jerusalem and say, 
Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. The king of the Jews being born into a normal family would have been very confusing (laughs) and disappointing. I'm going to take a break for a second. Hold on. Now, I'm going to leave all of this hanging for a minute, and I promise that there is light at the end of the tunnel, and there is hope, and I have something to share from all of this. But I feel that now is the time to acknowledge all of the people in the room who are sitting here today, who are looking back on this year, and looking forward into the holiday season, which is supposed to be full of joy, feeling like you're at the end of your rope. Perhaps you have unmet expectations. You felt like the gift that God has given you was the size and the shape of what you had been praying for and what you had been asking for and you've ripped it open and you've just been met with disappointment. Perhaps you are sitting in a pool of disappointment trying to proclaim that he is good and he is faithful but you are struggling to say those words even to yourself because your circumstances make you feel differently. I see you. I am one of those people And this is how my life fell apart. (laughs) When people asked me when I was younger what I wanted to be when I grew up, somewhere in the mix of ever-changing vocations like horse rider and hairdresser and teacher, (laughs) there was one constant, and that was a mum. I wanted to be a mum. And this is a dream that I've held on to ever since I can remember. And I firmly believe that God has placed this dream in my heart. He has given me visions and dream that, dreams that confirm this. Just like Joseph and Mary had visions and dreams, God was saying, it's going to be okay. I'm with you through this process. When I was 19, I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome and an autoimmune disease, both of which affect fertility. And doctors all around me said, I'm sorry, but having children is going to be difficult, if not impossible for you. But I knew, and I still know, that God has the final say in every situation. If there's one thing I can get you to take away from today, it's that God has the final say. No matter what you're going through, if you're in the pits of despair right now, God has the final say. On the 13th of September this year, Sam and I found out that we were parents. And we told close family and friends, and everyone rejoiced with us because, excuse me, because they knew, they knew of the process that we had to go through and the journey that God had taken us on to get to this moment. I walked around proclaiming the goodness of God every day, worshipping him in my car, worshipping him in the supermarket, thanking him for his goodness and his faithfulness and for coming through on his promises. I saw the gift It was the shape and the size of what I had been asking for, what I had been praying for, and I was overwhelmed with joy. And finally, I could tell everyone that God can do it for me, so he can do it for you. And that was going to be my message this morning, one of joy and hope. (laughs) On the 21st of October, our baby went to be with Jesus, and I had carried him with me every day, the best kind of secret. For nearly 10 weeks, the grief and the disappointment and the unmet expectations were devastating. We had plans, plans.
plans of our life together with him, plans of telling everyone, plans of having a little youth group baby that we could pass around, (laughs) (laughs) that all of the, especially the girls would love, you know. And I tell you our story not for sympathy, but for every person who feels alone in this room right now in their grief. I see you. God sees you. It's okay to sit in the grief. In this season that's supposed to be full of joy, you are allowed to grieve. I thought that today I would be able to stand before you proclaiming his goodness and answers to prayer and his faithfulness and doing as he promised, and I still can. So can you. Does it look how I thought it would? No. The gift I unwrapped was not what I thought it would be. But if there's one thing I want you to take away from today, it's this. Though our circumstances may change, God does not. Okay? Though our circumstances may change, God does not change. He is ever constant. He is always faithful. Our circumstances do not define his goodness and his faithfulness. He is unchanging no matter what we go through. And I really feel this morning there were a couple of key phrases that the Lord wanted to speak into the people in this room. Even when the money doesn't come in, he is still a provider. He is still good. He is still faithful. Even when you feel alone, he is still with you. Even when you get an incurable diagnosis, he is still the healer. He is still the great physician. Even when life is crazy and chaotic, he is still the prince of peace, the one who calms the storms. Even when it doesn't go the way that we want it to go, he still directs our steps and he still has a plan for us. And even when everything feels just bad, he is still good. Even though Mary and Joseph had literal angels appear to them, I bet that they had moments where they said, why me, God? Moments where they felt alone, forgotten, where life was crazy and chaotic. Let's look at their responses. In Luke 1 verse 38, Mary says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. That is some faith right there. A few verses later, we can read Mary's song of praise, which starts out, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. You know, I want to present you this morning, maybe Mary's song wasn't one of happiness, but a sacrifice of praise. It was one of saying, God, even though I don't understand what's going on right now, I'm going to praise you. I'm going to rejoice because rejoicing, I have that written down somewhere else. Rejoicing is a call to joy. It's not a call to happiness. Happiness and joy are very different. Happiness is based on your circumstances, but joy comes from God. Joy is the ability to look at your situation and say, you know what? This sucks. <laughs> but God is still good, and I'm still going to put my faith in Him, and I'm still going to put my trust in Him. That is joy. Joseph in Matthew chapter 1, 24 to 25, we see when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. Even though it was probably really hard, 
He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph might have had a lifelong dream of naming his first son Joel. But he chose. In that moment, he could have even said, no, you know what? His name's not Jesus. His name is Joel or something else. But he still chose to come through and and obey what God had asked him to do. And he still called him Jesus. And you know, the title of that section of chapter one is literally, Joseph accepts Jesus as his son. That whole process, it wouldn't have been easy. Joseph probably doubted his dream and Mary's character even after he had that, that dream from the angel. You know, Mary had a literal angel appear to her. And so did Joseph, but Joseph's was in a dream. Dreams can be very vivid. I wake up in the next morning and I remember my dreams, but I don't always think, oh, this is what God is calling me to do. Joseph could have had moments of doubt where he thought, you know what, maybe that was just a dream. And maybe, you know, this is all actually just what I think it is. But he still put his faith in God. The shepherds came and fell down and worshipped. The wise men brought their gifts and gave them to Jesus and worshipped him. These two separate groups of people who had grown up expecting the Savior to be born into royalty, who were confronted by a very different reality than what they had expected, their first response was to worship. In all of these responses, the grief and the disappointment were still very real but they didn't let that override their heart's response. They didn't let their circumstances change the view of God, their view of God and who they knew him to be. When we are faced with disappointment, how should we respond? When we look at the examples of Mary, Joseph and the shepherds and the wise men, we can see that that their immediate response was to put God's will before their own and to praise him. Our response needs to be of submission and praise. In Psalm 34, verse 1 to 5, it says, I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. As I said before, rejoicing is a call to joy. Praising God and submitting to him doesn't mean that our grief and disappointment go away or that life gets magically better. But it does mean that we choose to put our trust in him that he is leading us and guiding us, and that he is making beauty out of ashes. He can make beautiful things out of things that we think are completely gone. So how will you respond this morning? We're about to take communion. Communion is a time to reflect on the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. His sacrifice bridged the gap, the divide of sin between us and God. And through Jesus' death and resurrection, we can come boldly, to the throne room of God and present our disappointments and present our grief and say, this is, can you carry this for me? (laughs) I can't carry this anymore. I can't carry this on my own. Can you carry this for me? Because only at the throne room of God will we find rest, will we find peace, will we find healing, 
Will we find forgiveness? I truly believe that there is something healing about physically surrendering these things to him. So in a bit, but not quite yet. This morning I have at either side of me will be a bowl and some pieces of paper and some pens. And I'd really like to encourage you in your own time to take communion. And then if you're comfortable, come forward and write down. It may be one thing, it may be three things that you need to give back to God and surrender to him. It may be disappointment from this year, a promise that has not yet come to pass, anger at a situation. It might be a person that you need to surrender, whatever it is. I'd really like to encourage you to come forward and write it down and put it in the bowl as an act of surrendering it back to God. No one's going to read what you write. I promise that I will keep it very safe and I'll make sure that no one, lays, including myself, lays eyes on what's written inside. The ministry team will be down here soon. So if you need prayer, whether it be about this thing that you're surrendering or something else, that support is here for you. And if Sam and my story is something that you relate to and something that you're grieving still or something that happened a long time ago, but you still need, you, you want to work through it, we are more than happy to pray with you and to cry with you. And we would love to support you. But before we move into this time of communion and act of surrender, it would be remiss of me not to acknowledge every person in this room who is grieving right now and going through disappointment, but doing it without Jesus. I can't even imagine. (laughs) Dealing with disappointment is a difficult thing to do when you don't have Jesus. When we walk our lives in step with Jesus and trust in him. The Holy Spirit gives us the power and the strength to walk through disappointment with a constant hope in him. You know, Jesus wasn't afraid to express his disappointment. In Luke 19, 41 to 42, Jesus was disappointed by the lack of faith in Jerusalem to the point that he wept over the city in front of his disciples, in front of everyone, he wept. When his friend Lazarus died, he grieved, he wept. Jesus knows what it is to feel grief, to feel disappointed, which is why he is the best person to turn to when we're dealing with disappointment. Walking with Jesus doesn't mean that disappointment goes away, but it does mean that we have someone to fall back on. Someone to carry us through the disappointment. Walking with Jesus doesn't mean that life doesn't hurt sometimes, but it does mean that we have hope. Hope that one day we will be able to look back on difficult times and see God's hand of protection on us and see him protecting and guiding us and leading us to the goodness and the healing that he has for us. In John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world, for God so loved you, that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. I truly believe that there are people in this room this morning who have been on the fence about following Jesus. If he was so good, why does he let bad things happen? If he was so good, why did he let me experience such deep grief and disappointment? And I wish I had a clear answer for you. But what I do know is someone who is still in the middle of grief and disappointment. 
I can say to you that I can't even begin to imagine going through what we went through without the hope and the joy that God brings. So this morning, I'd just really like to invite you just to all bow your heads and close your eyes. Jesus, I just want to thank you for every person in this room. You know where each of us are at. You know the grief and the disappointment that's inside of our hearts. Lord, I just pray that right now, in the name of Jesus, would you just bring forth that thing that we need to surrender to the front of our minds, and would you help us to give that back to you? Jesus, you are good, even when life is not. <laughs> 